Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott Hale. Peace and joy. Hallelujah. That's what, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I'm very excited. We are just eight days away. Can you believe it? Eight days away uh, from the big day. Christmas morning is coming. And uh, how many of y'all have all of your shopping done? Got some hands out there, right? And how many of, uh, how many of you resent people who have all of their shopping done? Yeah. Okay. Honest people in the house. That's, that's where it's at. Okay. Oh, well, I'm glad you're here today. Welcome to the next chapter of our series, Great Adventure. And uh, it's not just a pun on words. There's, the reason why we're calling it an adventure is because we truly believe that um, this Advent season is something special, that it's something more, it's meant to be something more, it can be something more than just going through the motions of another hectic Christmas and finding ourselves spiritually and emotionally the day after Christmas, the same place we found ourselves spiritually and emotionally last year, the day after Christmas, and the year before that, the day after Christmas. And how many times have you, the day after Christmas, you thought, never again, I'm doing it different next year. We got to do something different next year. Something, there's got to be more to this than that. Well, this can be even even now, eight days before Christmas, you can you can make a change starting right now. Um, and we believe that God wants Advent to be an adventure that God takes us from where we are to where we could never get without Him. And that's what we're looking for today. All right. Um, let me tell you what. Uh, life is challenging. Amen? Life is challenging. And uh, I tell you what, I've never been more reminded than this week that life is fleeting. Life on this earth is fleeting, right? And that's an important truth. It's an important truth. And if you want to make the most of every day of your life here on this earth, you can either sit and mope about it, or you can live your life to the fullest that God intended you to live. And I believe Christians are, are supposed to live life to the fullest that he intended. Make every day count. Make every day count. And when we're talking about joy today, uh, please understand, we are not talking uh, some kind of just Pollyanna, hey, be happy because, you know, it's all in your head, life is, life is easy kind of thing. We, we're not talking about joy today because Life is always happy. We're talking about it specifically because life isn't always happy, okay? Life isn't always easy. And so this is a very important topic today more than ever. Um, In week one, we discovered that God wants to take us on an adventure uh, from the place of fear and anxiety in our life uh, to take us on uh, a place of hope, that we can have hope. And, And then last week, our adventure navigated us through the world of conflict. How many of you faced some conflict this week? Right? So hearing a message about it last Sunday didn't make the conflict go away, did it? You experienced some conflict this week, I bet. Right? I did, you did, we all did. But we found out last week that you can navigate that life of conflict and still have peace in your heart. Right? If you were here, hopefully you remember that. Um, Peace, no matter what's happening around you. Remember, it's a peace that does not depend on what's happening around you. It's not a peace that's waiting for things to get better and easier, and then you'll start feeling peace. That's the whole point of spiritual supernatural peace. It's there in the midst of the worst peace. 
It's called, uh, Philippians says, peace that passes all understanding. That's peace that has no logical reason for being there. Your, your neighbor might be like, how can you be in peace? What just happened? Uh, hey, you just say, I, I don't know. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's God, right? I'm a child of God. He promised it to me. It's like a gift. And so I get to walk in peace. He gives you permission to walk in hope and to walk in peace. Today, we're going to talk about this, that God wants to take you on an adventure out of the bondage of sadness and sorrow into real, genuine joy. Real, genuine joy. Um, Now, joy is one of those things that everybody's talking about in the Christmas season. The world even talks about joy, right? If you turn on commercials, it's like joy. Everybody's like super happy. Joy, joy, joy. And Surely you have lots of joy. Come and buy this thing and you'll have more joy. If you don't have enough joy, maybe you need to spend some more money, right? That's what they, that's what, you know, it's all, it's on your Christmas cards. It's in every song. It's in the malls. Um, And it can actually start to make you feel like there's something wrong with you. And you, you ever get this feeling like, maybe there's something wrong with me if I'm not walking around in like wide-eyed ecstatic happiness all the time, and why am I feeling this way? The whole world must be perpetually happy except for me. Um, and, and we want to be happy, right? I mean, happiness isn't like something we, we reject. It's not that we don't want it. It's just that everything is geared, especially this season, toward extreme happiness, Happy holidays, right? That's what we say. Merry Christmas. Um, joy to the world. We say this, this stuff. But for a lot of us, this time of year can be the hardest time of year. And we recognize that. Christmas can increase the stress due to financial demands, financial expectations, all right? Your friend's, you know, buying you a car and you've got five bucks in the bank and you're like, oh, I got to go buy this. I got to buy something that matches that, right? If your friend's buying you a car, let me know what your friend's name is. I want to make friends with him. Um, um, and, and you know what else? We, and, and you know this. The holidays, they, they can magnify um, the normal amount of depression that you might feel. You might feel depressed on a normal day, and then the, 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 the holidays can magnify that, that, or that sense of loneliness or that sense of loss. Um, there's something about it. And then, and then add to that, there's, you know, all the parties you're supposed to go. Everybody's, everybody's having a party, so you're going, to, you're going to parties, you're supposed to put on a happy face. So I know for some folks, it's hard. Now, for some folks, Christmas is awesome. Christmas is the best time of year. It makes you happy because you love this time of year. But regardless of whether Christmas makes it harder or easier for you to be happy, everybody's got their problems. And everybody's got their, their source of unhappiness in their lives. And, and Christmas as a holiday, it can't change that, unfortunately. But, but what if, what if Christmas, what if something could happen in your life this year um, that could change that? What if the, we could discover something? What if by slowing down to prepare our hearts, which is the essence of Advent, you know, prepare your hearts... All, all you heart, are you saints? What if preparing our hearts, the essence of Advent, helped us experience more the joy of Christmas? The preparation of Advent can help us experience the joy of Christmas. So, today what we're going to do, we're going to dive back into the, the Christmas story that we look, started looking at last week. Uh, we like, we're going to go into Luke, uh, the book of Luke. I like Luke. Luke likes Christmas, apparently. He spends more, more time on it than any of the other writers. Uh, We're going to look at a different scene, though, this time. We're going to venture a little further back in time. We're going to look at the story of Mary, 
the mother of Jesus. Um, Now, Scripture says that Mary was from a town called Nazareth. Nazareth, there it is. So, um, Nazareth was a small town back in first century Israel during the time of King Herod the Great. And when it came to uh, problems and troubles, nobody understood sorrow better than Mary's people um, at that time. Last week, we, we talked about how awful it was uh, at that time to, you know, to being under the thumb of the Roman Empire, and you had this you know, crazy Emperor Augustus, and um, how awful that was. If that wasn't bad enough, Israel has its own little puppet king, and uh, this guy's named Herod, the Romans had installed him over the region. So Herod is the the puppet king. He's known as King Herod the Great, but there was really nothing great about Herod. The Jews hated him. Uh, The Jews thought he was uh, kind of like a fake Jewish person. He was sort of half Jewish in their eyes. And so that was, you know, he was like impure to them. Uh, And on top of that, he ruled Israel on Rome's behalf. So on top of not being like a real Jewish person, person to the Jews. He's a sellout. He's, he, he's, he's brutal. Uh, it says that Herod ruled Israel uh, for Rome, and he did it with, with an iron fist. Not only were the Roman soldiers everywhere, and they could just take anything they wanted to, you know, and throw you in prison anytime you got out of line. You also have Herod, who turns out to be this sort of paranoid psychopath who killed anybody he didn't like and anybody who threatened him. So first century Israel, where we have this beautiful Christmas story, first century Israel is a pretty sorrowful place. And Mary's village, now we're going to, okay, we're going to kind of zoom in our, our satellite image here a little closer into, into Israel. We're going to zoom into Nazareth. Mary's village of Nazareth had to be at the bottom of the totem pole of, of a nation that's already at the bottom of the Roman totem pole. Nazareth is like nothing. Now, today, Nazareth has grown into a you know, medium-sized, uh, fairly large city. Some of you guys from Israel, did y'all go to, y'all went through Nazareth? That's cool, yeah. And uh, for uh, the last thousand years or so, Nazareth was an Arab city. Up until about a hundred years ago, it, was, it was a, had a majority Christian Arab population. Um, I think that's kind of changed nowadays, but, uh, but for, for, you know, it's a, it's a big city but now, but what archaeologists tell us is that Nazareth at the time of Jesus might have been a village of no more than 150 people. So we're talking podunk, really small little town, right? And it's not a quaint little town. It's not like a cute little place where like, people are like, hey, Bill, hey, Martha, walking around. It actually had a reputation back then for being kind of a, a sad little ghetto, uh, Nazareth was. Years later, about 30 years later, it's recorded in Scripture that a, a man named Nathaniel, uh, he was talking to somebody about Jesus, and they said, you got to come see this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel, he kind of sarcastically says, can anything come good come out of Nazareth? That's the reputation it had. So there was nothing sweet or, or picturesque about Nazareth, just a really dark, horrible place. You can imagine like Dallas or something like that. Just a, <laughs> just. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I know like half of you are from Dallas. I'm totally kidding, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I love Dallas. God loves Dallas. <laughs> I'm from Pasadena, so I can't, you know, you, you have to like not live in Pasadena for four years just to get the, the refinery smell off of you, so I, I can't talk. Um, anyway, uh, 
Okay, so I've lost half of you anyway. Um, so, yeah, Nazareth. I, I, the, some of the research I did said it was about four miles away from a Roman garrison. Uh, and its main claim to fame at the time was that it had a red light district for Roman soldiers who had a day off. So there you go. Not, not like Stars Hollow from Gilmore Girls or something like that. We're talking about just a nasty little town. Um, and here's where Mary is from. Here's Mary, girl of possibly no more than 14 years old. And like girls her age back then, she's engaged. And um, beyond that, we really don't know much more about her. But it's safe to say that she understood the uh, humiliation and hardship of her people, even at the age of 14. So there was a lot to be sad about being a young female in first century Nazareth. But then our adventure began. So let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. And Mary said, How will this be? She asked the angel, since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Then later it says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, angels don't show up every day. So Mary is understandably rattled right at first, right? Uh, She's a little freaked out. There's an angel in her living room, um, and the angel says, don't be afraid. That's why he always says, don't be afraid, the angels. Uh, For for you have found favor with God. God is with you. You're going to have a baby, and this baby is going to be God's only begotten son. Now, Mary's, you know, obviously been through seventh grade health class, so she kind of knows like this. She asked the obvious question, how can this be? This is not physiologically possible. And, uh, the, it, but I wonder, when, when Mary says, how can this be? I wonder if what she's also thinking, isn't just her, but she's thinking, how is it possible for someone like her from a place like where she's from, living in the conditions she's living under, how could she have a baby who would change the world and lift her people out of despair, right? I wonder if she's thinking, you know, look around, Mr. Angel Man. I, I live in the armpit of Israel here. This place is a dump. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? She's probably thinking those words. I mean, the Son of God, whose kingdom is never going to end, comes, is going to be from Nazareth? I love Mary's story because even despite her shock, and, you know, her initial kind of confusion and doubt or whatever's going on in her mind. One second later, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Let's get it on, right? Mary is ready to go. And so Mary's Advent adventure begins here. So Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's also expecting a special baby of her own, thanks to God. And when, when Mary and Elizabeth meet, here's what happens. Verse 1, verse 46, says, Mary said, oh, how my soul mag- 
glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. And he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. This is a famous passage. And it says Mary said these words, but... uh, Scholars believe that uh, these words are more commonly, most likely, uh, something that she sang. And uh, so this has become famously known as Mary's song, or even more famously, the Magnificat. The Magnificat. And this song of hers has been sung over and over and over for 2,000 years by people from all over the world. They have clung to the words of this song who can relate to the oppression that she lives under her whole life and the promise of liberation that she's celebrating here. This is a powerful song. It's, got, it's, it's pretty revolutionary. I was reading that during the 1980s, the dictators of Guatemala at the time outlawed the public reading of the Magnificat because of its revolutionary overtones. It was outlawed because it was so powerful. It stirred people up. This is subversive stuff she's declaring here. And But what's really important about this song is that in the middle of all the sorrow and the sadness of her life, in the middle of this dark and sorrowful, difficult time for a girl who's kind of a nobody at this point, Mary goes from sorrow to joy. Now, why joy? Why does she go from sorrow to joy? Well, when I always read this, kind of my immediate response was, well, she's experiencing joy. Of course she is. She just found she's going to have a baby. I mean, you know, a lot of people kind of get excited when they find out they're going to have a baby. I remember how pumped up I was and Mel was, you know, when we found both times, you know, we found out uh, we were going to have an, a new little boy, you know, coming on the way. I remember just like three weeks ago finding out we're going to have an, a, a beautiful little girl come get to be part of our lives, be part of our family. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. That'll bring, that'll bring some joy. But I don't think that alone is where Mary's joy is coming from here. Because when you think about it, this baby, as great as he was going to be, being his mom is going to create more problems in Mary's life, not less. What was her fiancé going to think? Right? What did she tell the angel? I'm a virgin. What's her fiancé going to think? What, what, what were the people in her little town going to think? Right? Uh, you can get sort of like killed for this back in her day. What are people going to say behind her back? Mary's future is now more uncertain and complicated than it had ever been before. So, you know, would, would we automatically experience overwhelming joy in this moment? Where's this joy coming from? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) I'll tell you. Um, I believe her her joy flowed from a part of the story that we we often tend to either misunderstand or overlook. And at the very beginning of the story, Mary gets a greeting. 
from the angel, and the angel introduces himself by saying, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, traditionally, in a lot of circles uh, around the world, this greeting is, is taken to mean that there's something extra special about Mary herself. And that's why she'd been chosen to be Jesus' mother. You know, the whole Hail Mary thing. Um, that there's something, it's like Mary's better than everybody else. And that's why she was chosen. But don't miss this. This doesn't mean you have found favor because you're better than everybody or you're different than everybody else. The word favor here means grace. The Greek here, it's grace. It's grace. It's saying you are receiving grace. And grace literally means gift. Grace always means gift. When gifts are truly gifts, gifts are free, right? Yeah, you can respond. It's okay. We won't send you out. You can talk about it. We're informal around here. Gifts are free. If I give you a gift, I'm not going to stand there like this waiting for my tip. You know, I, it's a gift. Run, run along, enjoy it. Um, you don't do anything to deserve a gift. If you deserve it, it's, it's not a gift, it's a reward. Right? A reward's nice to have too, but that's something you deserved. So I'm going to give you a reward or payment or something like that. But a gift is a gift. The angel is saying you are the recipient of God's grace just because. Grace. The Lord is with you. And that news, I believe, is where Mary's joy comes from. This overwhelming joy that suddenly doesn't care what the fiancé is going to say, what the town's going to say, what they're going to do, because she has been graced by God. Amen? Now, this might be a good point right here to uh, talk about the difference between joy and happiness. Joy and happiness. A little word here. The words happiness and joy, they're often used interchangeably, right? I have joy, I have happiness, or I'm happy, I'm joyful, whatever, you know, joy to the world, and I'm happy. Turns out they're not interchangeable. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. This is very important. Happiness is uh, what happens, it's something that we feel when something good happens. And it's not a coincidence that they sound the same. Happiness and happy and happen, they come from the exact same root word. Did you know that? Happen. It's the good feelings you feel because something good happened. Something good happened. Makes me happy. But joy is different. Joy is totally different. Joy is a sense of well-being in spite of your circumstances. In spite of what's happening. So happiness comes from your circumstances. That's fine. But joy comes from our soul. Joy is a deep sense of well-being despite the pain despite the sorrow of our situation. And it doesn't negate the reality of those things. It doesn't negate them. It doesn't say those things don't exist, so I don't feel that. It doesn't say that. But despite the pain and sorrow of our situation, because we know we have been gifted grace, 
That's where joy comes from. We have been favored by God's grace. This adventure is not what we're talking about today. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just trying to hype you up for like another hour and then you're going to go back to feeling bad later. This, this adventure is not a one-time vacation from sad to happy. That's a vacation. What comes at the end of a vacation? A return trip home. Right? You got to go back to work, school, whatever it is. This is not a vacation we're talking about. This is an epic one-way journey from sorrow to joy. A one-way journey. This is the new place you live. Joy. Mary finds out she has been gifted. She's been favored by God. And she's about to embark on, on, on the adventure of a lifetime here, which is a really, really good adventure. And like, you know, every good adventure story, you like, you know, you think of your favorite movie, your favorite book. It means there's high stakes. There's high adversity. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's going to be twists and turns, but it's a journey of joy. Because now she knows she is favored and the Lord is with her. So let's bring this to today, to you and me. Um, I believe today, whoever you are, whatever trouble and pain and sadness you might be going through, sickness, whatever it is that you're going through, God is in this place. He's right here. And he is saying the same thing to you that he said to Mary long ago. Have you ever, have you ever thought of yourself as favored by God? Favored by God. I'm guessing for a lot of us, probably not, because we tend to think that that means there's something special about us. If I'm favored by God, there must be there's something special about me. I don't feel that special, right? Or it makes us, you know, to be favored, I would have to be like better than other people in God's sight. And I don't think most of us feel that way. If you do feel that way, it's kind of messed up. <laughs> but... Now, I'm obviously no angel. I'm not standing before you, you know, 10 feet tall. But I want to stand before you today and say this to you, this Advent. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. You are favored. Amen? You are favored. Fatima, the Lord's with you. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. You are highly favored by the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe knows your name and he loves you. Not because of who you are, not because you had a really good week and you were nice to three different people, not because of what you've done, it's because you're his child and he cherishes you. He loves you. You're highly favored. Turn to the person next to you and look at him in the eye and say, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That's right. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Amen. Amen. I know what you're thinking. If I'm highly favored and God's with me, then why is my life so hard right now? Somebody might be thinking that. Why aren't I happy? Why aren't I at least happier? It's another good question. And here's why. Because, and, and this is one of those hard truths, but the purpose behind God's favor 
and God's presence is not to bring us unlimited ecstatic happiness. The purpose of his presence and his favor is not to bring happiness. It's to bring us joy. Joy. The Bible even tells us there is, there is a season for every emotion you feel. There's a time to be happy. There's a time to be sad. There's a time to laugh with a friend. There's a time to put your arm around him and mourn with him. So we're not called to just, yeah, be happy all the time. But we can be joyful all the time. We can walk in this joy. And I believe today what most of us need here is not fewer problems and less troubles, though we would love that. But Jesus himself, he said it in John 16. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus said this. In this world, you will have trouble. So unfortunately, troubles are a guarantee. And, and I know what I'm talking about, right? Sorrow is real. This past week, no less than three close friends lost three close family members here in our... And as of this morning, that number's four. And, and other friends here in, in our community are facing life-changing decisions about having to move and different things that their decisions are having to make with their health. We're talking about a real thing. We're not talking about Pollyanna stuff here. We're talking about real things. So sorrow and troubles are guaranteed. But greater than all of our troubles, greater than everything, is God's promise of joy. So how can we have joy? How can we have joy? We can have joy because he's overcome the world. That's what Jesus says. He's overcome the world. And in other words, what happens around us can't touch what Jesus has done inside of us. So I want to talk to you just in in the last couple minutes that I have here. We need to know how to access it. Let's get real super practical, okay? How do we connect with this? How do we embrace it? When you walk out of here, I want you to know what your next step is. So I believe this adventure that God wants to take you on this Advent season through Christmas, it's an adventure toward joy, and it starts with this. It starts with this, greetings, you who are highly favored. God is with you. You who are highly favored. We can't in five minutes, cover all the mysterious secrets of living in perfect joy in one sermon. That, that'll have to be another series. But here's what you can do starting today and throughout the rest of this holiday season. Number one, claim these words of greeting for yourself. Right? Angel of heaven might as well have stood before you and said this to you alone. Claim this. I'm standing here to tell you, you are favored by God, and God is with you because almost 2,000 years ago, there was a baby born, and that baby was not just from God, that baby was God in the flesh, and that baby was born because God loves you. So you are highly favored. He was God's gift to us. Jesus' name itself means God with us. Not because we're good persons, definitely not because we're better than anybody else, Because he is our father, and he loves us. That is why. If you believe that, then you can be on the road to joy. Are you willing to choose to believe it? Some of you are like, yeah, I believe it. Some of you are like, I want to believe it. That's a start. Some of you just need to choose to believe it.
That's where faith starts, choosing to believe despite everything you've done, despite everything you've experienced. Even while you were still a sinner, you, had, you were favored by God. Jesus died for you. Even while you were still a sinner, and he's with you, and he's with you, he's on your side, he's not against you, he wants to turn your sorrow, your mourning, into joy. That's what he wants today. Now, here's how else you can begin to live this supernatural kind of joy. You don't just claim this once. You got to remind yourself of this over and over and over. This is important, right? You got to remind yourself of it over and over. Every day, maybe tape it to a piece of paper and, you know, tape it to your bathroom mirror or something like that. I've got like four different slogans on my bathroom mirror at home, right? Mel's got hers over here. And there's things that we got to be reminded of every day because we get brain leak, you know? One thing happens, you're like, ah, oh, I've forgotten all the good stuff. You have, to be, you have to remind yourself, right? Greetings, favored one, if that's what you need. Right there when you're fixing to shave or do your hair, whatever it is. <laughs> the Lord is with you. Put it on a post-it note. Stick it to your computer. Put it on your dashboard. Don't you know, look at it while you're driving, but when you're parked, look at it. Make it your screensaver. Do they still do screensavers? I don't know about that. Um, Turn it into a ringtone, something that just calls out, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. (laughs) Tell Siri, you can tell Siri to call you anything. You could tell Siri to start calling you favored one. That would be awesome. Um, Whatever you need to do, tie a string around your finger, whatever it is. Here's the next thing I I want you to do is encourage one another in this truth. Never forget, this is what Generations is all about. No one walks alone. This is not your journey alone. If you're doing this alone, if you're trying to just soldier through it all by yourself, you're doing it the hard way, right? That's not the way it's supposed to be. We do this together. We're not a bunch of little religious islands doing life on our own, trying to be super spiritual all by ourselves. The life of discipleship is meant to be communal, right? We do it together. We pray with one another. Pray with one another. Confess to one another. The Bible says you can do that. Confess one to another. Encourage one another. Don't hide your hardships because you're afraid of looking less spiritual than everybody else. Don't judge someone either for feeling depressed. Right? We need to remember that. Love them. Pray with them. Listen to them. Listen to them. Listen to them. Be the body of Christ. Here's the last thing we can do to start living this kind of joy. Spread it to others outside these walls. There's there's a reason why we are called to not only be disciples, but to make disciples. Tell the good news that Jesus has come. Be the message that this whole world is desperate for. Sing the Magnificat for all to hear. Wherever you go, tell a better story than the one Amazon.com is trying to sell us. Tell a better story that God so loved the world, he gave us the greatest gift imaginable, his son Jesus. He has come. The Lord is come. That's the best story you could tell. So, So you can not only experience this kind of joy for yourself this Advent, but it's really going to become a reality when you become the instrument, when you become the voice of the Lord that other people are desperate to hear. There's something about it. That is probably the most rewarding part of my job is that I just get to be used to say things to other people 
that bless me. I mean, that selfishly, that is the best part. It blesses me. It blesses me. When, we, when we're that instrument of the Lord to bless others, God just it becomes so real in your own life. So God wants to take us on this great adventure, the greatest adventure. It's the adventure of a lifetime. Amen? He wants you to know that your life is not just here to feed the greed machine of our economy. Your life has a purpose beyond ourselves. Your life is not an accident. You're here on purpose, purpose both to, to be a recipient of God's grace and also to be a dispenser of his love and that grace. Favored ones, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.